Hello and welcome to the My Favourite Film Podcast with me, your host, Gav Smith, and me, your menial co-host, Gary Coleman. I wouldn't say menial. You're, oh, you're a very, a very you do, you normally do. Oh, <laughs> I normally say I've only, only got a book to make the cups of teas. <laughs> ah, you haven't made us one today, though. No, I know. Sorry. I'll get one in now. Yeah. Um, what we're doing today? Oh, yeah. Die Hard today. Yeah. Oh, excellent. I have been waiting for this. Yeah. We're going so excited. Full out action film from the top. Before we do that, Gary, shall we go oh. through all the ways in which people can contact us here at the podcast? Because we do want them to contact us. We love to hear from you guys, you folks. We love it when you contact us. So, shall I tell them how to do it? Go on, you tell them. Uh, well, here we go. So we start off with your typical email. So you got you can email us at myfavoritefilmpodcast at gmail.com. Brilliant. Uh, Twitter. So we've got a Twitter at myfavoritefilm. Yeah. Instagram at myfavoritefilmpodcast. Yeah. Facebook. You can either go to our Facebook page or our Facebook group. Just go on to Facebook and search for My Favourite Film. And then last but not least, also, if you've got all of those, just go to the website and all of our contacts are on there go to the website at www.myfavoritefilm.com brilliant and the best way to support us here at the podcast is if you go over to apple podcasts to spotify or the good pods all those platforms let you leave a rating and a review and well I won't what kind of review that. should they give gav what, what, what sort of if you're going to give a star rating for a review what well, would you, what would you, you know yeah. whenever i give a rating or a review yes. for a podcast yes. i always go for five stars because five stars it's got to be believe- that's the best way to say you like something is go five stars. I think five stars. Is yeah. The best. And certainly if it's mean. a podcast. stars pod- is just yeah. mean. Yeah. If it's a podcast you're listening to a lot and you want to listen to that podcast and want to keep it going, five yes. stars is the only way to go, isn't it? Yeah. Absolutely. And a review, maybe a nice review. Yeah. Let us know what you think. Be honest. Tell us how wonderful you think we are and how, how awesome we are. Yeah. How funny Gary is and that type of thing. <laughs> how good my cup of tea is. Lovely. Oh, I wouldn't know. <laughs> um, so this week on the show, as said, yes. Die Hard, uh, <sighs> Cam Sully from the Jacked Up Review Show. And I'm not 100% sure, but hopefully alongside this, there is a sister podcast because I went over to, or we both went over to Cam's show to do a little bit on the rest of the Die Hard franchise. Gary's internet bombed out at some point in that and he disappeared. But I think you'd be on some of the show. Um, I was actually thinking of to make this tea at that point. <laughs> this is only where I've gone. I'm making a cup of tea, a coffee. Um, Die Hard. A Christmas film, Gary. Yes? Would you agree? Uh, it is. We discussed this in the podcast. I definitely, It's definitely a Christmas film, isn't it? It's a brilliant Christmas film. It's a classic. It's yeah. a must-watch. Yes. It's Bruce Willis giving us his action best, I think. Yeah. Um, really good. Uh, I, I don't know what else we can say about it. Just make sure you've seen it before you listen to the podcast. Who hasn't seen Die Hard? If you haven't seen Die Hard, go, leave the <laughs> You shouldn't be listening to this. My favourite film. Sure everyone's seen Die Hard. Sure if you haven't seen Die Hard, go off and watch it, though. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's available on, on Disney+, Plus. believe it or not. Because mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. obviously... Disney now own Fox, so yeah, you can watch all of the wow. Die Hard films over on Disney Plus if you've got that service. There you go. Um, here's our spoiler-filled chat with Cam. It's Christmas Eve in LA, California. Is Daddy coming home? 
A New York cop, John McLean, has come to see his wife. Instead, he's going to have to save her. Sit down. Within this skyscraper high above the city, 12 terrorists have declared war. They're about to be taught a lesson in the real use of power. There is brilliant because I am interested in the $640 million in your vault. As they are ruthless. And I'm telling you, you're just going to have to kill me. Okay. Today, we are going to be talking about Die Hard, and we are joined over from the United States of America, uh, Cam Sully of the Jacked Up Review Show. Hello, Ooh, Cam. Hello. How hey, are you? Cam. Thanks, <laughs> 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 nice this. Cam was just telling me that he's in the middle of ice storms at the minute. Off air. So that's I mean, cool. they're not here now, but they're going to definitely come back again. It's just inconsistent right. weather all around. <laughs> hey, yeah. good old weather. We love it. Good old Corona, good old weather. Oh, my yeah. God. <laughs> so, um, Die Hard, then. Great film. Um, before we awesome get into film. Die Hard, do you want to just tell us a little bit about yourself, Cam, and your sort of... Um, <laughs> Uh, involvement in film podcasting i am a mobile security guard i have previously worked in valet and been a guest star on cheaters (laughs) wow (laughs) (laughs) excellent (laughs) out of all the crazy jobs man yeah (sighs) um what about your relationship with film obviously you do the jack the review show is that sort of your main input in film yeah, I, I had done some blogging on the side here and there, but never consistent. And uh, my relationship to this film is that it's it, it just was one of many action films, which, you know, I just would see so many praise it. And, you know, when I, li- I, I saw it and generally enjoyed it back in the day, but I also just, you know, it is now officially our Christmas movie. <laughs> <laughs> Good. I yeah, tried to convert true. it to Gremlins or Lethal Weapon and those didn't go so well it's it's for whatever reason this one just plays better it just has a bit of everything for everyone people know the lines they love laughing at it on cue they love just the scenery chewing that alan rickman does it's just yeah. incredible yeah it's a proper classic film as well it's a proper classic action oh, film, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. um do you want to give us a quick plot synopsis of the film if that's possible totally go on. Uh, uh, John McClane is an NYPD detective who has to save his estranged wife and a bunch of hostages from terrorists who are not who they claim to be, all on Christmas Day in Los Angeles. Oh, that sounds good. That sounds about right, yeah. All on Christmas <laughs> Day. Is it not Christmas Eve? I don't know. Ah, uh, Eve. My bad. Eve. Shit. Sorry, don't worry. <laughs> I just knew something was up. Burning <laughs> it out. I'll re-edit it now. Okay. Yeah. Well, we'll do it live. No. <laughs> um, so this is the, the question that I always feel sounds really, really loaded when I asked it, which is, why is Die Hard your favorite film? <laughs> I mean, it it literally is the blueprint for modern day action cinema. Yeah, yeah, I could quite agree with that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, how many times have you, have you seen it? Is it one that you, you do you put on every Christmas? Is it your Christmas film that you put on every year and you, you watch? Bruce do his stuff. Uh, it, yeah, it, I mean, because 
and I mean, as always, kind of into some of his movies way more, as well as Wesley Snipes and early Clint Eastwood, where it's just like, okay, you're having, you know, an actor who, you know, become an action star. And so as a result, you can just buy him more into that more uh, coherently. Kind of just the same thing with like James Bond. You got guys who look like they could be everyday types. They're playing, you know, hardened, uh, hard-boiled action heroes. And, you know, it just gives it a little more weight to it as opposed to like Schwarzenegger or Stallone, which they parody in the film, you know, where, you know, it's practically invincible, you know, (laughs) suspense, don't count on it. Entertainment. Oh, it's there. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So when did you, when did you first see it? Is, were you, were you there back in 88 or was this a Uh, mid, mid 2000s? Definitely. It was modified, but you still, you know, had the entertainment and uh, I had already seen Rickman and like, you know all those other fantasy movies and, you know, Galaxy Quest. And, you know, just when you see him here in this, you kind of see why he was instantly. Yeah. uh, Just, you know, top of his game. Well, you redefine British villains even. Yeah. I mean, from, from probably from Gary and I's point of view, I don't know about you, Gary, but I saw this. Well, I'm thinking in 1988, so I was 17 when it came out. So I definitely didn't see the cinema when I said snuck in. I might have snuck in. It might be one of those ones that I managed to sneak in the back and managed to see it in the cinema, but I think I saw it on VHS first. Yeah, I, I, but, I did. I do remember watching Die Hards yeah. in the cinema, but there were probably later versions of it. I mean, I think yeah. I, I probably saw this one on on, on, on tape, probably. Yeah. Was, was it a worn-out tape? Very worn-out tape. Probably around about 88. I probably saw it quite early on, I would have yeah. thought. Maybe I would have been about sort of 20-odd when, when it came out. Gary's yeah. <laughs> just got a little oh. bit of age on me. <laughs> but I look much better. But I look you do. You look a lot younger. better, yeah, obviously. <laughs> you look younger. Fresher. <laughs> oh um, man! I mean, from our point of view, I mean Rickman is—he's a British Shakespearean actor. I think I'd seen him on all sorts of stuff. He, he appeared on British TV around the eighties an awful lot, mm-hmm. um, and then got his big break. This is like big and like some Shakespeare adaptation. Yeah, yeah, he's done loads of Shakespeare. I mean, he is—he's a, a proper Shakespearean actor. And as most British Shakespearean actors, when they go to the states, become villains. So his first role is obviously a villain in this movie. Um, I tend to try and go through sort of cast and crew, but I think we've got to start with Rickman. So what do you, you think of Rickman in this? Uh, he, it's just a top 10 performance. It just He adds his own signatures to it. And I've seen some people in recent years complain that there really isn't anything to the plot. And I just have to disagree because I just <laughs> like, this is what I look for in a villain where he's got multiple agendas. And, and just even the line where he says, to get this idea i just watched 60 minutes yeah <laughs> yeah he's got some good good lines actually there's some great one-liners in the whole of this film actually it's full of one-liners um there is that there is that adage that you know it's a hero is only as good as his villain absolutely and i yeah. think that's what makes the film so good is that they've just given him they're given they're given bruce just this brilliant hero a brilliant brilliant villain to go up against so he's really tested throughout it's just yeah yeah i mean um Bruce as John McLean. Um, I mean, this was his, was it his second film? I think he'd done Sunset before this, but he was pretty much, at the time this came out, he was a pop star because he'd just done Respect Yourself, which was, I think, a massive hit both sides of the pond. Uh, his first album was out. He was starring in Moonlighting with Sybil Shepherd. Yeah, it was brilliant. He was wasn't it? Absolutely, he was at the top of his sort of game, and this was his first real action 
role. Uh, it's probably the one that, that defined him as an action hero. What do you think of Bruce Willis then, Cam? Uh, you know, just very... Uh, just uh, groundbreaking in terms of, you know, no one expected this to work, you know? <laughs> yeah, probably <laughs> and, not. <laughs> take a TV show star and then make him be a movie star. And like you say, I mean, so many people were considered Harrison Ford, Richard Dean Anderson, of all people. This is like, yeah, yeah. no, I mean... It's the same thing with Indiana Jones. You could have tried a few different things. It wouldn't come off, I don't think, as well-pitched. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's he's quite a thing, because obviously his TV persona at the time was this wisecracking comedian, almost. I mean, Hmm. uh, David Addison in Moonlighting is definitely a a much lighter character. Um, And he came to this, and he's much more serious. I mean, there's been lots of things said about how serious Bruce Willis was on, on set and how it was like, this is an action movie and we are serious in action movies. Um, and I think we'll probably get to it when we do your show and we talk about the, the sequels. Because um, I did mention that at the top, but guys, this is a two-part episode. Um, yeah! <laughs> yeah, the second part will be on Cam's show, the Jacked Up Review show. Um, hopefully we'll, we'll work some out so they're available roughly the same time. <laughs> And we'll talk about all the sequels then. Yeah, that'd be funny. We Gav, we've got to get flights over to America after this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Have you not got your tickets? Fortune. Bloody hell. you the tickets. <laughs> <laughs> hey. No, the wonders of internet communication mean that doesn't mm. have to happen, Gary. All right. There you go. Um, so, yeah, we'll talk about those later, and we'll talk about certainly Bruce phoning in his performances later on. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> this, Bruce. Well, I'm sure you won't mind. I think he's admitted it, hasn't he? That he he, he just does uh, things for the money nowadays. Well, yeah, I remember that. I see with all the issues I got in all the other sequels, I don't find any of them really phoned in. I know he hated working on some of them. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so let's talk about the director, um, yep. John Matian. He is a fantastic. Um, action director. I mean, for this, he obviously worked with um, Schwarzenegger on mm. Predator. Mm-hmm. Um, before doing this, uh, after this, he's done so many things, including the disastrous remake of Rollerball Roll that we won't talk about. I got it. Um, <laughs> yeah, but he obviously, hysterical. <laughs> he obviously returned to the Die Hard franchise as well when he did um, Die Hard with a Vengeance. Yeah. Um, yep. Likes to work with the same character, same actors now and again because he's done a couple with. Schwarzenegger, cut with Willis, cut with Sean Connery, um, cut with Pierce Brosnan as well, hasn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did Nomads for Pierce Brosnan and Thomas Crown Affair, so he's, he kind of goes back to the same actors, the same well. What do you think of McTiernan? Uh, yeah, I've been a fan. I saw Hunt for Red October when I was just 12, and I just wow. instantly knew he yeah. was a big deal. He's the big blockbuster director who kind of like Walter Hill and Antoine Fuqua, you know, he can do all these Spielberg kind of level kind of mm. effects mixed yeah. in with uh, just some kind of suspense for kind of the B grade movie crowd, and so it's just it's just very intriguing just hearing him talk. And I don't know why he's tried to get a few different things going after he was like in some kind of wiretapping scheme or some other crazy thing that he did jail time for, and yet. He what? Uh, I didn't know that. No, tell us insane. more. <laughs> it's like, I, and see, I'm I I have read it a few different times, and I still don't understand it. And I just always feel like there's like 
I need to read it a little more deeper or if there's just some extra, you know, catch 22 to it where I'm like, okay, so it's like, was he doing some fraud on someone or was he wiretapping someone and he got set up for some shit? It, it's just crazy. And it's wow. like, he, he did some jail time for it. I can look it up a little more. <laughs> wow. I was completely unaware of that, of um, yeah, what but happened yeah, there. But hot for a while in the 80s and 90s and yet yes yeah he did he disappeared i mean his last film was um 2003 yeah <laughs> yeah um so yeah he, he has disappeared from the the science yeah um i mean okay he, he so knows he cut he hired a private eye to wiretap yeah. the phone calls of two people a co-producer on one of his movies all right so I don't know what he was wiretapping him for. I guess he figured the guy was <laughs> owed him money. I don't know. Yeah. Wow. Well, there you go. The facts that we have that we didn't know about. I didn't know that at all. I, I oh, wondered Wikipedia. Yeah, I wondered where he'd gone, but now now I know. Yeah. Um, and obviously he does a great job of directing action. Um, and it's definite. I mean, all of his films are big action blockbusters, pretty much. Mm -hmm. Um. What do you think of his, his style then? Are you a massive fan of that action, that type of action film? Is this the type of thing that you would always gravitate to? Uh, totally. Just all the hostage taking, die hard in a whatever, you know, just the whole dilemma of, you know, and I mean, we've had other movies like this before, Assault on Precinct 13, yeah. uh, Dog Day Afternoon, and it just mm. amped up the whole tension of just having unlikely heroes all band together and just the yeah. whole, again, there's a dilemma, dilemma to it. And there's still some people who you'll see in reviews, like just aren't paying that close attention. They're like, Oh, these guys are terrorists. I'm like, no, they're, they're not terrorists. <laughs> no, they're, they're not terrorists. They're thieves. And that's the yeah. pitch. That's the story. Yeah. Take I mean, the that, that's, <laughs> that, that's the twist, isn't it? I suppose that, <laughs> They ain't terrorists. It's kind of like they're, thinking they're... Keezer, Sozy, and Usual Suspects is a real person. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, this Die Hard, obviously, it kind of, it was groundbreaking. It, it redefined action films. I think after this, every other film that came out was, oh, it's Die Hard on a, because we had Speed came out as Die Hard on a bus. Under Siege, right. it's Die Hard on a boat. And then he had Hunter mm -hmm. for October, it's Die Hard on a submarine. And Wasn't Speed going to be a Die Hard film, though? Uh, other way around. So oh. you'll find this funny. So Die Hard Free is very was basically taking like some an unused draft for like a speed type movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'd read that and as well. Yeah, to make it already funny, its original draft was basically Die Hard on a boat. They couldn't use it <laughs> due to the falling out with Joel Silver, yeah, the producer of the first two, and that became yeah. Speed Two. So you're kind of right. Of course, you're, yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, <laughs> yeah. They both yeah. stole from each other. They were both Fox properties. So <laughs> yeah. Now, fun fact: they are in the same universe. Are they? And how because you they got out? the same production designer and they use the same buses. Ah. To make it even wackier, uh, Stephen E. DeSouza and Joel Silver have used the Valverde <laughs> fictional South American country from Part Two and plenty of their other movies, like it's right. like the Predator novelization or, and video games. It's <laughs> ah. so that makes it part of the Alien Predator universe. But I mean, they. Oh. Uh, one of the reporters from this movie is also in the Denzel Washington movie produced by Silver and written by DeSozo, uh, Ricochet. 
So, oh, you see, <laughs> Denzel's an out of stuff. I now <laughs> want to see John McLean versus the Predator. Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> still time. Yeah, yeah. Still time. That's just the brilliant. Still time. Die Hard Predator. It'd be great. Um, uh, see, you're probably but the Predator and Alien are in the same universe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They are. So we could have John McClane versus Alien in versus in space. In space. In space. I mean, we kind of had that with Fifth Element. Die Hard in space. Well, yeah, yeah, that's true. I suppose it is, isn't it? Yeah. What I'm disappointed yeah. is they, again, Part 5 was supposed to be a 24 TV show and yeah. Die Hard uh, mm. mashup. And I just yeah. find it funny how just 24 basically was Die Hard the TV show, even though it's kind of more like Vengeance. It's like, oh. Yeah, yeah. probably. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is. It's very, it's got a lot of die hard to it hasn't it i suppose 24 yeah. <laughs> even the yeah. villains is like you they just yeah. had that aura to them is like yeah julian sands totally doing his best alan rickman <laughs> you are <laughs> well let's be honest most actors who now play a villain with this accent are going to be playing their best alan rickman alan rickman that's just what you do now even you're going to be a villain you've got to sound like him yeah yeah, yeah, yeah even sean bean and golden eye or patriot games they're, they're just going for that just Mm-hmm. Yeah. English or UK actor who is basically yeah, regardless of who they're playing, and I mean Anthony Hopkins kind of does a bit of it too. I mean, where it's just a little bit, yeah, yeah. It's like yeah. I, I, Russian, German, uh, British. I, I'll play it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think Alan Rickman got a lot of a lot of English actors um, some decent roles, to be honest, in Hollywood. <laughs> right. <laughs> I have to ask because I'm a really sad geek. You see, um, in my late teens I got into pulp fiction type novels and I had actually read Nothing Lasts Forever pre this wow. film um, nice. so I knew all about John McClane and then thought oh there's a film coming out that's got John McClane in there I wonder why because wow. obviously the name Die Hard doesn't mean anything to the book have you ever read it, the novel at all or or not? Uh, only parts of it and it was just one of those it, it's perfectly acceptable for that kind of yeah yeah I mean, it, it's a trash pulp fiction novel. It's it's got nothing to it at all. But I love that type of thing, to be honest. Um, but you can see where all of the good bits of the film came from from that novelization. That mm-hmm. without that, it, it just doesn't work. And we might get into that a little bit when we get to the sequels as well, because I also oh, that's 50, fine. I mean, also read it, fifty-eight minutes before Die Hard too. So it's kind of like how with uh, just all the other knockoffs, like the Olympus has fallen. You know, so yeah, it's like yeah. it's just a continual thing and. I remember there was even something on the internet, I think, around 2013, where it's like they're remaking this with Chris Pratt and Channing Tatum or some shit like that. It was an April Fool's joke and no one laughed. They're like, <laughs> don't <laughs> want to hear it. No, no, no sir. Not doing not that. At all. I have on my list of questions a question that says, is this a Christmas movie? Now, I think you've already answered that because you said that it is a Christmas movie. Why do you think this is a Christmas movie, rather than its other explanation of it, it's just a film that happens at Christmas. Uh, it's totally a Christmas movie, and the fact that everyone keeps having this conversation is just maddening. <laughs> like... See, because it's a conversation we had in, in my house this Christmas, because I've said it's my favourite Christmas movie, and I forced the kids to watch it this this Christmas. Um, and they've told me that it's not a Christmas movie, it's just no. a movie that happens at Christmas. I, I watched the film this Christmas. Because mm-hmm. I think of it as a Christmas movie. But what I can't remember is, are there any references in the actual script to it being Christmas? Obviously, it's Christmas when you watch it. It's cinema, you know, visually. I think it was kind of, I can't speak for everyone, but I think it was one of those that just came in 
it, it just played into it after a while with a few rewrites. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they they definitely mention mention um, that it's Christmas Eve that the party's happening on. Right. Hans Gruber says at one point, "Theo, it's Christmas. It's the time of miracles." So <laughs> it's, um, and then of course the you know. You ask for miracles, I give you the FBI. There's all of those right, sort of right, slight right. references. Yeah, yeah it's, the, Christmas there, movie, it's Christmas, Theo. It's the time of miracles, so be of good cheer and call me when you hit the last lock. There is definitely a Christmas tree in the middle of the party. There is, but that's just a visual thing, isn't it? That's, yeah. It's because we, 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 we talked about the Princess Bride um, a little while back. Yeah. And... Um, which is set at Christmas, but there's no reference at all at any point of the film that it's Christmas. You know, visually it looks like Christmas, but it, you know, is it a Christmas movie? Whereas Die Hard's definitely a Christmas movie, I think. Fair enough. So is that a vote for, that's three votes for, this is definitely a Christmas movie? Let's put it to bed. It's a Christmas movie. It's Fine. as Christmas as the Easter Bunny. Sorted. Happy. Can handle that. We're all right with that then. Um Let's just talk about the rest of the cast, because to be honest with you, we've talked about Willis and Rickman, who are without doubt the the big stars of this. They're the people that got a, a breakout from this and have got other roles <clears throat> on the back of it. What do you think about the rest of the sort of extended cast, if you like? Oh, they're, they're delightful as well. Bonnie Badella was recently on Designated Survivor, and she's just another one, just like very natural TV actress. And then... Uh, Clarence Gilliard, of all people, from Top Gun, <laughs> later on Walker, Texas Rangers, the hacker, and he has some great lines, like the quarterback is toast. And yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just a shame that all these other guys are just bit park like Olympians playing the terrorists. But you know, all the main two, especially the one who avenges his brother Carl, you know, is, are just yeah. uh, appropriately intimidating. And yeah, uh, I, I very rarely see anyone say this movie didn't age well. It's just often they're just people who just it's like they've seen action movies, but they don't really know what inspired what. And so when I see mm-hmm. people trashing this and then praising stuff that's known for its action, but not for having a good plot like the raid or under siege, I'm like, no, 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 you you got to give this one some proper <laughs> just disclosure, some proper praise, because I mean it was. And you do see it anywhere. Is like if they're not taking a knockoff of yeah, like Predator or Alien, they're they're generally taking from the rule book in this. People walking yeah. on shattered glass and mm, absolutely uh, yeah. raiding yeah. an elevator is like there's there's all that kind of dilemma. And I mean, even McTurnan, I mean, I see a lot of critics noting how he kind of uses very similar shots, especially in Red October, as well as Thomas Crown Affair. He just knows how to frame buildings. I mean, he even jokes about him last action hero, so he can clearly laugh at himself. You know? Yeah, true, yes. Yeah, he, he sends himself up quite well in um, last action hero, doesn't he? Yeah. Totally. Uh, he yeah. even rips himself off in Rollerball, which is even funnier. It's like he uses the exact same framing for the main villain. <laughs> Does he? See, I, I think I, I I watched like half of Rollerball and couldn't watch it because I love the James Caan version, the original. Oh, it's it's junky, but I, I, I was I just, just, for whatever reason, I was in a bad movie mode at like 2 a.m. and I was just kind of falling. I'm like, how did this get done? Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. They should never have remade it. They really shouldn't have. I think that someone had said that they were remaking because they wanted to franchise it. And obviously the remake just did so badly that oh, and they never it did him no good because it landed yeah. him in jail. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's why it didn't franchise, I don't know. <laughs> right? All that ugly aftermath, they're like, uh 
but I, I, I did see another article how he was one of the most despised people. So I don't know if that's legit because it seems yeah. like a lot of people came to his defense. It, it, it seems like he just he gave his all to making movies and as a result basically ruined his life because <laughs> you see also yeah. how he had to like sell his ranch he's gonna divorce this like jeez wow. it's just i i believe in giving you applying yourself to a movie but not to where you wreck your life <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely absolutely Let alone other people's lives so. yeah yeah um are there any other sort of standout performances in there obviously you've mentioned um bonnie and you've mentioned <sighs> I mean, we can't not talk about the uh, the hostage negotiators who aren't very good at their job. But you know, you gotta love <laughs> Officer Powell and just yeah. Regional Bill Johnson. He just constantly references it. You see people making jokes that he might have created his own universe through Family Matters and Ghostbusters <laughs> and Turner yeah. Huge. Um, yeah. Robert Dobby's a bit of a Trumper nut on social media nowadays, but he there's no denying his talent as an actor. <laughs> yeah. And uh, him and Grandel Bush are just great. Is Johnson and Johnson, Special Johnson, Agent Johnson, Johnson, Johnson. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're great. Those two. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, there, I think everyone that's involved in it has a fantastic role play, and they all play it incredibly well. Um, I think just the, the fact that Willis and um, Rickman are there seem to put everything, everyone else, into a little bit of shade. Um, but when other people get on screen, they they seem to do really well at their jobs and do the job that they should do. I mean, uh, even oh, can't remember his name, uh, Thornburg, can't remember the actor's name. Oh, William Atherton, yeah. Yes, that's it, William Atherton. And that's uh, yeah. what ruins part two for me. I'm just like, I can't, yeah, suspend belief that he would be on the same flight. As them. Yeah, just... just happens to be there. I know, yeah, yeah. Twenty four um, and all those other crazy shows, Strike Back, even Spooks. I dare say. Yeah. Uh, mi5 in the u.s is like would do pretty good at just saying here we are and here's the gritty realism even though there's a lot of implausibilities and they would just somehow just because it was just so gritty you kind of just went with it and it's like that one is just like okay hold on hold on i'm just trying to already understand this whole airport takeover so adding that just distracts me and just sticks out like a sore thumb yeah um let's kind of dive into the the storyline itself without going into the whole thing and and talking through the whole thing uh i mean it is as you kind of said at the start it's a fairly simple story of thieves posing as terrorists take over Mm -hmm. a building on christmas eve um in order to steal the contents of the safe effectively but in the meantime they are holding everyone at the party as hostages and pretending that they are terrorists to try and free people all over the world for Mm-hmm. whatever it is, anything that Hans Gruber has seen, including just watching 60 Minutes recently. Um, <laughs> what if you were to stick the film in, uh, DVD player or whatever, and you've got your fast-forward button, what's the first scene that you're going to speed up to and have to watch? Oh, man. Uh, probably the scene where he uh, uh, is speaking to the Japanese owner, Takagi. <laughs> it's, just, it's just so intimidating. Yeah. Yeah. And boom, headshot, and you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> I will count to four. There will be no... No, I will count to three. There will be no four. I'm going to count to three. There will not be a four. Brilliant. Right. Uh, that, or maybe even the damn scene where Pal first gets out of the cast station and is in, approaching the situation. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. 
has anyone ever told you the joke that I, I don't know if it started on Family Guy or whatever, but many people joke how the guy at the, the terrace at the front desk looks like Huey Lewis. It does actually, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to where many people actually thought he was in the movie. He's like, no, 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 no. It's... <laughs> it would have been great if it had been Huey Lewis, wouldn't it? He could have done a theme tune for it and everything. Yeah. <laughs> he'd already done Back to the Future. Or he, yeah, he'd already done Back to the Future at that point, so why not? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um. So we've got to see the scene where Takagi gets shot, where Powell, Powell gets into the job. Um, are there any other sort of major standout scenes that you, that you kind of you have to see in order to understand the rest of the film? Oh, or that definitely. Are just so stand out that you've got to watch them if you're going to rewatch it. Uh, you could go with even the scene where McLean takes, you know, holds Gruber at gunpoint and he's pretending to be a Texan guy. Yeah, yeah. It's even funnier because I saw a movie he was in with Emma Thompson, which was kind of a mystery movie, and he used that exact same. <laughs> <laughs> bastardized Texas accent, but um, any scene with even just uh, the police superior uh, Robinson, you know, played by yeah. Breakfast Club's Paul Gleason, you know, it's just because he just thinks he knows it all. He's telling the sergeant off, and it's like, yeah, he, he just gets roasted the most, and it's just hysterical how he, he's just intimidated by everything by this NYPD cop telling him how to run his LA area and then all the fbi guys you know telling him to shove it and let them yeah. do their thing it's just hysterical yeah he's already it, been made a fool by again rickman's gruber and so it's even just yeah. more hysterical to see him. It, it does it does make out that the la police department are, are fairly inept at doing their jobs <laughs> to be honest it really is and <laughs> I, I do like that whole kind of culture it's just like yeah nypd in la would never get along anyway it's like yeah <laughs> nypd is notorious for breaking some common rules and getting suspended and paying people off and la is supposed to be very progressive and yet just very unaccustomed to dealing with unusual stuff like this despite having a pretty cool swat team yeah I mean, obviously, there's, there's, there's scenes that aren't in it that would make the film work a lot better. I don't know if you know, but there should be a scene where, at the start, when Rickman gets all of the host, all of the, the guys together, he's supposed to say synchronized watches, and then he's supposed to have a shot that goes around all of the hostage-takers' watches to show they're all tag who are watches, and they're all the same watch set at the same time, um, which is where then Bruce is then, he spots the tag you watch on one hostage taker and then the next one, the next terrorist and so on. And that's why he doesn't give Hans Gruber a gun with bullets in. Because obviously, it, there's actually, you can see it in when they meet up on the roof that Bruce looks at um, Alan Rickman's wrist to see there's a watch there and you get a shot of the, the watch. So that's why he gives him a, an empty gun because he knew all along that he was one of the terrorists. Ah. Uh, that's brilliant. I didn't even think of that. I thought there was yeah. other mannerisms, but... That, that's cool no. that you caught up on that. I will look for it it's on a, the next viewing. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a scene that's missing. It's like I said, they cut the scene because apparently oh. the ambulance isn't in that scene. So because oh. that ambulance is not in that scene, McTiernan said, we're not reshooting it. So just cut that scene so they can't see that the ambulance he is He jokes there. apparently in the commentary track that the ambulance technically wouldn't fit in that uh, yeah. garage. That's but it's right. one of those, it's just a brief shot and it just, you needed just something to make the scene make sense. And it's like, yeah. we can forgive you because we know what you're going for. And it's just absolutely, a, yeah. yeah. But yeah, they cut that scene. But if that scene was put back in, it makes everything, I think, makes a whole lot more sense with how Willis manages to go, oh, yeah, that, he's a terrorist. He's a terrorist. I can see they're all terrorists. And we, we've got a link between right. them. Because um, he checks down the body when he steals the cigarettes and tries to get 
shoes. Oh, that's wild. Which, I still don't understand. How can a guy that big not have shoes that would fit Bruce Willis? I mean, his feet should be massive. <laughs> He's like six, nearly seven foot tall. He's got to have big feet, surely. Or has Bruce Willis just got really big feet? Ah, uh, you know. <laughs> oh, you know what they say about big feet. <laughs> big socks. It's even funnier how the taking the elevator was a mistake, but they kept it in. They're like, that just adds to the desperation yeah. of the character. It's yeah. like, and I just can't imagine the scene without that. That literally does give me the whole just, yeah, you know, just yeah. claustrophobia that it's going for. <laughs> yeah. There's, oh, there's some great bits in it. So, I'll tell you what we'll do. Let's let's go with our um, awards section. It's the MFF Awards. First one, standout performance in this film. Who is the actor of choice? Oh, man. <laughs> Alan Rickman. I'm yeah. sorry. It's biased, but I mean, I can't imagine the movie without him. I just can't. No, I, I've, I've got to admit, on, on my notes, I've got exactly the same thing. I've got down Alan Rickman as being my, my favourite performance. Gary, anything different? No, well, I want to say Bruce Willis, because when I was a kid, I, I loved Bruce Willis when he's a Moonlighting. Yeah. And I think we kind of forget it now, because Bruce Willis is such an action hero, but he wasn't yeah. an action hero. This is a massive change in gear for, for Bruce Willis. True, yeah. 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 It, was amazing, it was an amazing most, performance. And it, but, yeah. I think Bruce Willis' performance in this is absolutely brilliant. Can we do Alan time? Rickman. <laughs> Alan Rickman has just been a bit English and chewing the scenery. That's kind of you know he, that's kind of what he does. But it was really kind of it was just uh, it was such a change in role, a change in gear for for Brucey. I want to give Bruce. I love Bruce. Yeah, I, I do I, too. Don't get me wrong, I do as well. But I just mm. personally, I would put Rickman at the top. But it's hey, a tough one. It's one of the two. Uh, yeah, it's, it's got to be one of the two, hasn't it? Because the rest of them don't don't do it. Uh, favorite scene. Oh man, I know there's loads. Uh, Holy fucking shit, lady! Does it sound like I'm ordering a pizza? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's favorite line, isn't it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh man, is there is there a scene that is the absolute standout? The one that you know, if you could only watch one scene from this film, which scene would you go back to? Man. It's difficult because I've got the same mm. problem when I thought about it. I mean, uh, definitely the. Saddling up the computer and causing the elevator explosion. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. Gonna need a shitload of screen doors. Yeah, you see how everyone's <laughs> affected and how all the terrorists are like, wait, what, what, what's going on? <laughs> yeah. Just came here to get ammo. <laughs> yeah. Gary, favorite scene? Um, I, well, I suppose the big one is that the, the one where he ties the fire hose around and jumps out of a window, yeah. out of a, of a rooftop. I mean, again, that's just been repeated. For anybody who's just kind of coming to it now, it's such <laughs> a kind of a cliche scene that's been done so many times. But it has. I think that was right. the first time it was done. And we're like, yeah. Yeah, what? What's he doing? What? 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 No, what? Well, he just jumps off the thing. What the heck? <laughs> so at the time, it was just like, whoa. But I think it's been sort of diluted by just by, by invitation so many times. But yeah. that's a, that was an amazing scene when it came out. Amazing effect. I, I'm I'm going to go with the the scene that shows the ineptitude of the FBI and the LAPD, which is when they decide they're going to cut off the power to the Nakatomi Plaza. Right. And there's the poor guy stuck down in the manhole who's going. You can spin the this switch. I can just switch the switch. <laughs> no, shut down all the power. Do you want the government to get on here? It's, like, it's just brilliant. Just shows how inept everyone is. Do you think um, something like that would happen nowadays? What, ineptitude? Government ineptitude? No. no I, mean, I know that we're inept. I'm just saying. 
I can see them doing some temporary thing or I don't know, but <laughs> yeah, they would have to compensate for it somehow, like somewhere along the line, suburb yeah. areas. <laughs> <laughs> There'd be complaints, wouldn't there? Certainly in England, there would be complaints very quickly. I can't believe our power's been switched down. Favorite. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Favorite line, favorite one-liner. You've already oh, said it, I think. Come on, come on. Uh, we, you can't hear you, motherfucker. But it's said oh, by yes, there we go. Rickman yeah. instead of McLean. Oh, Yippee motherfucker. Yeah, <laughs> is how he is. Almost like Chucky Chan in Rush Hour. He's like motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> the There's some great. I mean, this is it's absolutely full of brilliant one-liners. I do mm. like the holy shit, you're ordering pizza, lady, and. The, um, <laughs> Welcome to the party, pal, as he throws a body at him and starts shooting yes. a machine gun to him. Uh, no, there's, like, just, there's loads of them. Carl has a few good one-liners as well. He's like, I will avenge my brother. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's lots just of gifts. That. It makes it really good for gifts and memes oh, and yeah. things. Die hard. Yeah. Loads of it's, a, it's a memeable it's a gift film. For every occasion. A memeable film. <laughs> well, you go, have you got a favourite one-liner? Well, it's got to be Yippie Kaye. Motherfucker. It's got to be. It's just brilliant. It's fantastic. Well, they managed to reuse it in every... All, all of the other four several times somewhere <laughs> yeah i just love i love the idea that there's an idea that there's a new york a new york cop would have a phrase you'd have his own you know only, only in america with the policeman an average policeman have a a, a repeating phrase that he always uses yeah um, english haven't got that style this one's a tough one because i don't think there's many uh, best cameo stevie wonder's skeletons in the limo this is like the only thing I could think of as a cameo. Ah, I unless... see. I've got I've got the geeky cameo. The geeky cameo is um, the twentieth century Fox building. Yeah, which okay. is obviously Nakatomi <laughs> Plaza. Right. <laughs> it's cameos as a different building. There you go. <laughs> Gary, can you think of one? Um, not for this one. There's, there's a few in other other diehards. There's yeah. some good little ones that sneak in here and there, but I can't think of any for the original diehard. No, no. Not that I haven't already mentioned. What about uh, some of the uh, news reporters? <laughs> uh, yeah, are they are they well known American news reporters? Because obviously, uh, they, I don't think they are. But I think one of them, uh, there was, I swear, I saw read somewhere that someone uh, playing the author who talks about terrorism might have been legit or something like that. All oh, right, okay, right. <laughs> From, I mean, certainly when. As a as a, a Brit watching American films, whenever you see news reporters, you wonder whether or not they are real news reporters. Very often mm. in in English films when they come out, and you've got a news article, a BBC you know BBC News comes up, it is actually a BBC news report that's probably on it. Hell, there's even means... one in part five. <laughs> one thing they got right: <laughs> Sky News reporters legit, but yeah, 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 they all, they, they will be the real Sky News reporters if it's a Sky News because they just did that. Um, anything that lack uh, that uh, dates the film more than anything else? Uh, you could make an argument about the fashion at the beginning, maybe the boomboxes. That's not it. <laughs> yeah. See, I was the, the lack of mobile phones is, I think, one of those. Oh things, yeah, the pages. Nowadays, everyone yeah. would be online and would have been, you know, uh, we're being attacked by terrorists. Mm-hmm. Gary, anything? Bruce Willis's hairline dates the film <laughs> very much. Well, the fact he's got one. Yeah. Maybe I'll I can say that. I've, I've, uh, my hair's gone the same way as Bruce's. There um, you go. This, this is a wig, so I'm all right. <laughs> um, I think kind of the gender politics again. I mean, yeah. it's just it's difficult to do yeah. it now. Not difficult, but you'd have to... 
I don't know the irony of it. You'd have to give them at least five extra lines just so you just know, <laughs> hey, this wasn't made by pigs. <laughs> um, special award. Best fight scene. I mean, uh, this is where I go back with you two. Um, uh, definitely Carl and uh, McLean's fight. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be, hasn't it? Yeah. I would go with Carl it, McLean, it doesn't yeah. rely on the quick cutting so much as the just back and forth, just very... It, they almost do kind of a mini helicopter shot. Just seeing them, you, you get a sense of the room. Yeah. yeah. Gary, have you got a favorite fight scene other than Carl? Um, I'm, I'm not sure who Carl is. It, was, was the guy gets he, the chain on his neck? Who's that? That's, yeah, that, that's Carl. Yeah, it's yeah, Carl. Yeah, yeah. Yep, so the same yeah. scene. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, although I do, I do like the one against his his brother. The chase through the. The unfinished floor of the offices, where Bruce kind of puts on the the drill and things, and he has to go around the corner and constantly <laughs> sort of chasing him through to the point that he manages to throw him down the stairs. And uh, there you go. Else. I quite like that one. I think that's quite nice. The the, the sort of cat and mouse game that they play, because um, at that point I don't think Wilson's got a gun. The has big he? finale thing where he's got the gun taped to his back. I mean, that was oh, clever. Yeah. I mean, that was yeah, brilliant. And that's referenced the most I see in an action movie. Someone will do the tape. Yeah. You know? Yeah, let's yeah, take yeah, a gun to the back with one <laughs> final bullet. Yeah, yeah. They'll even mix it up. They'll have it be like a pellet gun or a plastic gun with a real bullet or some shit. So there's always <laughs> yeah. someone who gets for security, and you're like, whoa, whoa, how does he here? Oh, he's watching Dyer too many times. <laughs> Smart terrorist. <laughs> um, I think that's our awards. We're going to have fun with them at the end, Gary. Mm. Definitely. Yeah. yeah, I think Die Hard could do well in the awards. Actually, I think it probably could. Ding, ding, <laughs> It's 34 years old, this film oh now. Oh, God. Which I wow. could not believe when I looked. I, I worked out because obviously I went, 988, that's, oh, my God, that's 34 <laughs> years old. You're the man. Um, <laughs> um, how do you think it holds up, other than obviously the gender politics that we've mentioned? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't see any white savior complex or any bullshit like involving just... Uh, racial slurs or anything. I think it, mm. it holds up pretty well besides the fashion and, again, everyone else being basically a hostage. So, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I guess um, Bruce is definitely... It's Bruce against the world, isn't it, I suppose, in this one, that everyone else right. is just... Come and there's save no us. There's no rape scenes. There's no... No, no. Mm. Uh, there's there's a sex scene. Far. But, um... Right, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> there's lots of naked feet. <laughs> yeah, Tarantino definitely loves this movie. <laughs> um, is there anything we've missed? I mean, there must be. There's loads of stuff we missed. Is there any sort of major things that you just want to talk about in this film? Because I mean, there's so much goes on in this I film. Think you cover the bases. I think. <laughs> yeah. The one thing I always think with it is it, it's very slow getting started. That we do have a lot of time of not a lot happening at the start, you know, they've got the whole landing of the plane, the talk about all the stuff that's important, like, you know, when you stop, take your shoes off, make fists with your toes, it's it's really important stuff, because without that, parts mm-hmm. of the story don't make sense. Yeah. Um, but once we actually get into the action, it, it doesn't half clip along from that point, I suppose. Once the hostages take control, we've just got scene after scene after scene. Yeah. Totally. I think I think filmmaking was much slower back then. I mean, if you watch almost any movie now, Rocky or anything, things that you imagine being really pacey and you watch them, they're pretty, they seem quite leadened now. Yeah. I watched Die Hard just this, this Christmas, and I agree, the yeah. beginning does seem a little bit slower than I remembered. Yeah. <laughs> but, 
But it's also about character. I mean, again, if, you come, if we're going to talk about the die-hard one against the last one, just yeah. the amount of you know, the, 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 the character creation of, of, of McLean and, and Rickman compared yeah. to Die Hard, whatever the last one was, where there's mm-hmm. zero character. It's just, you know, some guy just crashing cars. Well, that's yeah. just it. It's, it's worth it, isn't it? Sets up, everyone sets up involved attention. forgets what makes it special. They just seem to just think, just, oh, and it's just with any franchise, you know, he's like a Rambo. He's like, you go from being a suspenseful, you know, yeah, high yeah. noon. Bad day of Black Rock type material, and then somewhere along the way, all the egos involved, including Stallone, just think, "Oh, I mean, they just want to see a body count." I'm like, "No, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah." It's awesome, yeah. but that's not what we came here for. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's well, certainly there's, there's a lot of that in action films now that it's just it's body count, body count, body count, rather than John Wick's on... like the only one Characters. which is like set it up is like that's the whole point, but we're gonna yeah. mix in some funny dark comedy along the way and other lowbrow stuff that's yeah. just has some heart to it and everyone else just doesn't get it I just don't yeah. get it but also the wit of the script there's lots of wit in the script so you don't need yeah. lashes and bangs and things got, you just need bruce willis TV. you know <laughs> wisecracking his way through a yeah. tower block well, i think everyone wisecracks don't they i mean mm-hmm. it, all the yeah. way through there's just little snippets of Funny all the way through, just enough to, to keep you going. Yeah, it, it oh, goes yeah. from. If you have John, to see it, Johnson and Johnson, are not really, we're not related. Yeah, <laughs> it's a great. Line. It could literally be a funny play if you just took out yeah. all the action, just had all the various just arguments between everyone. <laughs> this is the big question now. This is the tough one, and I know how tough it is because I've done it and Gary's done it. Um, can you sell Die Hard in about thirty seconds? Yep. Uh, I, <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> uh, divorced NYPD detective has to uh, save a bunch of unusual hostages and, from uh, intruders who aren't who they claim to be. <laughs> cool. I think that works. Yeah. It sounds better. These things sound better with an American accent as well. They do. They just sound like it's going to be. I'd watch that movie. Yeah, it's got an American accent. I'll watch that. (laughs) That's the one. That's the one. one. Do it again with that voice on. (laughs) A divorced NYPD detective is past his prime, saving all kinds of people in one chaotic building. Oh my god! Yeah, brilliant. See now that sold it in less than thirty seconds. Well, I'm going to go and watch it now. I'm actually going to go and get it. <laughs> I didn't even try. <laughs> um, I know we're about to move over onto your podcast and do it, but where can people find you out there in the big wide world? JURS podcast can be found on every platform, iHeart, uh, Spotify, Apple. And uh, we we tackle any kind of cult franchise, movie or show, Or and we've recently been doing a lot of music history. And oh, cool. As long as... We can just at the end of the day kind of figure out why someone is has a place in pop culture, you know, then we've done our job. You know, we, we, we just want to be very constructive. We're, we're just so sick of just seeing people basically, you know, uh, pay 30, take accept a $30 donation on Patreon to go roast a movie, which they clearly don't like. You know, is this <laughs> yeah. really want something more after a while. By the way, if anybody out there wants to send us eighty dollars, we will roast any movie. Um, Absolutely, yeah, <laughs> well, totally. I mean, we've got absolutely no problem. Yeah, to be honest with you, I'd do it for five. It I'm just saying, <laughs> after a while, it gets old. When it's just like, hey, you know, this is the point of reviewing it. If I know what, you know, why you like it or why you hate it, and you know. yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, 
right, that's we're not about reviewing shows. We're about the love of the films yeah. that people like. It's this is about people's favorite films. We kind of we kind of put ourselves forward as a what did we say? Like a book club for films. So I think it's like a book club, yeah. Yeah. So these are people's favorite films. So they're going to be a recommendation because someone probably worth watching. It's your favorite it. film. Yeah. So yeah. Totally. <laughs> um, thank you very much, Cam. Um, we oh, man, will work out how we're going to put our two episodes out at somehow roughly the same time so people can go, well, listen to the other part of that on the other <laughs> podcast then. Um, and we'll work that out and we'll talk about that at some point somehow. Um, I think that's it for now. So thank you very much for coming along tonight, Cam. Absolutely. Thank you for the opportunity. Yeah. Thank you so much. Anytime. Cool. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> Just another American who saw too many movies as a child. Another orphan of a bankrupt culture who thinks he's John Wayne, Rambo, Marshall Dillon. I was always kind of partial to Roy Rogers, actually. I really like those sequined shirts. Do you really think you have a chance against us, Mr. Cowboy? Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. Thanks, Cam. It was brilliant talking about Die Hard, one of my favourite action films. I think Gary agrees with that one, don't oh, you? definitely. One of my favourites. Yeah. One of my favourite films. Yeah, absolutely. Um, next week's show, um, maybe a slightly odd interview because Gary's been with me for all the interviews and then for the next week's show with Russell Bailey, Gary's internet decided not to work. So I was on my to own. To be honest, I decided not to work. I've had enough <laughs> The, the, the shouting and the and the and the and the, and the, and the lack of gratitude towards my team making <laughs> abilities went on strike. Yes, Gary did go on strike that episode. There you go. So it will just be me and Russell for most of it. So here is Russell's trailer for Jurassic Park. If you want a film that is both a cultural milestone for the '90s, for practical effects, for what blockbusters can do, there's this. And it's not just a museum piece. It's a rollickingly good ride with some amazing performances and some wonderful set pieces and a story that is more complicated than you think it might be that has some interesting questions explored, but just explored. They don't spend the entire film talking about them. It's in the same way that the Terminator films kind of explore that kind of like AI and uh, time travel and all this other stuff and man and machines relationship. It's there, you can read it, but you can also just watch a film about people coming a bit unstuck when they're around dinosaurs. And so you've got got a fun ride, you've got a bit of history, and you've got some interesting philosophy, and got Spielberg and many other creative figures in this at their best. That's next week on the show. I think that's it for this week. Gary, what do you reckon? Yeah, looking forward to hearing it. There wasn't blooming there. So until next week, when Gary gets to hear what Russell had to say about Jurassic Park. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye. Finally, thanks to Acast for hosting the website and to Max Smith for the theme tune composition. To get in touch with the podcast, remember that website is www.myfavoritefilm.com.